Please stand as we hear the, the works of our Savior Jesus in the gospel. We read from John chapter 9, selected verses. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. And so the man went and washed and came home seeing. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. And now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What do you have to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see. And those who see will become blind. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise be to Christ. Please be seated. You know we have to talk about it. Everyone else is. The coronavirus. It's here. And doesn't look like it's going to be going away anytime soon. And just about everyone has a different opinion about it. Just about everyone's reacting differently to it. But you got to admit, now it's gotten personal. Because it's actually affecting your everyday life. I mean, all the toilet paper is gone. I don't know why, but it is gone. And March Madness is canceled. And every other sport. I mean, something big is going on. So let's talk about it today. Let's talk about this epidemic in light of Scripture. Because really, I, I think that's, that's why you came today, right? Not, not just to get some extra safety tips on how to combat this virus, but we want to be here to to hear how God can give us hope and confidence 
even in the face of, of suffering and, and worry, we need to let God open our eyes to see the big picture, to see how, how good that big picture really is. No matter how messed up everyday life is about to get. And I, I really am amazed that John chapter 9 came up today as, as our sermon reading. I'm amazed by it because it's not like I just picked this this week. Uh, this, this sermon series we're doing, it's all based on the, the Lent lectionary that our, our synod puts out. What, th- what that means is every three years there's a rotation and John chapter 9 comes up on this specific Sunday in Lent every three years. And it's It's perfect. Because this just so happens to be the week that the United States hit the panic button on the coronavirus. And it, and it just so happens to be the week that Jesus tells us, I'm the light of the world. And with eyes of faith that see him, we know. Everything is going to be okay. No matter how bad things get. God really does have a plan. We, we, this week, we get to see that God gives us someone to, to meet our needs. And Jesus does more than just meeting our, our physical needs. He meets our even deeper, more important spiritual needs. And I think that's something really important to remind ourselves of in a time like this. That if he can save us from, from a deadly epidemic, far more deadly than coronavirus, if he can cure the incurable epidemic of sin, and death, then I'm pretty sure he's going to get us through this one too. Even if you get sick, it's going to be okay. Jesus has met your needs and he's going to continue to. And in John chapter 9, we're about to find out that he meets our needs in a way that goes beyond what meets the eyes. Because as Jesus is walking in Jerusalem, he, right, he sees this blind man, a man blind since birth, sitting there. But he, he sees beyond just a blind man sitting there. His disciples don't. His disciples, they see the blind man and they figure, ah, this guy, he deserved to be blind. Like there was some kind of karma at work. I wonder what his parents did. They must have been really bad in order for this guy to be born blind like this. Oh, I wonder what they did. Jesus sees beyond that. He sees a man who was likely suffering, a man who was probably very lonely and looked down on as a beggar and a degenerate. Jesus saw this man's blindness and and he saw a bigger picture behind it. It had nothing to do with karma. Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, of course, this man had sinned before, so did his parents. Jesus isn't trying to say they were perfect, but he's very clearly throwing out that idea of karma. That's not a thing. Uh, There's not always a direct connection between a person's unusual suffering and a specific sin they committed. I mean, this, this blind man didn't deserve to be born blind any more than you or I do. Could have happened to any of us. But here in this case, this 
particular blind man happened to fall right into Jesus' path at just the right time, not by coincidence, so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Because when Jesus looked at him, he saw his blindness wasn't just a problem he had with his eyes. It reached to his soul. A spiritual blindness that needed to be addressed as well. And so Jesus, the light of the world, he spits on the ground. Mixes that saliva into the dust, makes some mud, wipes it on the man's eyes. Kind of a weird, gross thing to do. But there's no denying this blind man who couldn't see anything all of a sudden got a very clear picture. Huh. This, this man who just said he's the light of the world, he's, he's going to help me. And Jesus said, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. He, he gets sent to the pool that's called Sent. And there, something amazing happens. The man went and washed and came home seeing. Can you imagine what this man's walk home would have been like? I mean, seeing for the first time ever in his life, seeing the the streets of the city that he had to wander down blindly all these years, seeing his home, his family with his own eyes. But Jesus wasn't done with him yet. His healing wasn't complete. There was an even better healing still to come. But first, the Pharisees, the religious leaders in Jerusalem, they they hear about this and they want to bring this guy in for some interrogation. And they want to see if maybe they can find a way to to criticize Jesus and the way he healed this man. And at the same time, there was no denying the facts. I mean, this guy was blind from birth. Everyone knew that. Now he's not blind. But the Pharisees still wanted to try and twist the facts, to turn them against Jesus, to discredit him. And they end up going with one of their typical arguments against Jesus. Hey, he did this on the Sabbath day. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. See, they said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But some of the other Pharisees, they are following through on this logic and, and they asked, well, how can a sinner perform such signs? And so they were divided. Some of them caught on that there's, there's more going on than what met the eye here. And their division, it's all centered around who Jesus was. And that is a really important question. And I see this schism, this division between the Pharisees playing out in my own heart sometimes. Right? My, my faith it clings to Christ, the light of the world, my only hope for salvation from sin and death. And yet, my sinful nature hates this. It wants to keep me in the dark. He wants to deny that miracle of spiritual sight God has given me. He wants to convince me that Jesus, he doesn't really fit the standards of who the Messiah should be. And sometimes that, that sinful nature makes some pretty convincing points, doesn't it? I mean, maybe Jesus should do things a little differently. Why is it that he only seems to cure the problems that I can't see? 
I mean, can't he do anything to solve the very concrete, very real problems in this world, the ones that I face every day? If Jesus is, is so good, if he's the great healer, then, then why even allow something like the coronavirus to happen? Why, why do we Christians always have to just say that vague answer, oh, God has a plan, when tragedy strikes, when epidemics hit? Why doesn't he take away all my problems? He could. <laughs> Jesus doesn't give me all the help that I really need. That's your sinful nature. <laughs> trying, to, trying to keep you in the dark. Trying to convince you that Jesus does not give you everything you need. Trying to keep you focused on the, the small picture instead of the big picture. Jesus came for the big picture. He came to address the, the deeper problems we have. Because if he didn't, then addressing all these surface problems, these smaller problems, it wouldn't have really meant that much, would it? I mean, if this, if this blind man was only cured of his physical blindness, but never got cured of his spiritual blindness, he'd maybe be asking the question, ultimately, was he really any better off in the end. Like Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. You see this in the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they thought they saw. They thought they saw the truth. Jesus is a false prophet, a blasphemer. They were the ones who were blind. And the man who actually was blind, he's the one who regains his sight in more ways than one. And this, this blind man must have thought to himself, oh, the best possible thing that could ever happen to me is for my blindness to be cured. Oh, that would turn my life around. But the best thing that could have ever happened to this blind man was meeting the one who cured his blindness. And that turned his life around. That turned his eternal life around. And Jesus, he did a follow-up visit with this man, didn't he? He didn't just cure him and, and, and then go on his way. He wanted to make sure this blind man got to see his Savior. He wanted to make sure that even greater second miracle could happen. The miracle of faith the revelation of who his Savior was. And so after the Pharisees reject this man, they throw him out. Jesus is there. He's there to meet him. He asks him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Like the Samaritan woman we looked at last week, this blind man, he goes from not being able to recognize at all who Jesus is, to calling him a prophet, to acknowledging him as his Lord and Savior. All because Jesus cared enough to do a follow-up visit with this man. And now, the blind man, he could do nothing else except bow down and worship his, 
his Lord, the one who gave him his sight, the one who said about himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And now that this blind man had his eyes opened a second time, he saw the truth of this, who Jesus was. And so do you. You see it too. And even though the coronavirus is running rampant, even though you've got your own physical ailments that maybe don't seem to go away, even though different worries and stresses wake up with you each and every morning, you don't walk in darkness. You have the light of life. And even if God doesn't miraculously zap away all your problems, he's already given you the greatest miracle, the miracle of faith, eyes to see your Savior. The thing that matters most, the big picture. And just like the blind man, Jesus continues to follow up with you too. He's given you the reliable witness of his word. And this word, it it settles that Pharisee-like dispute going on in your heart because the word rings out. Truly, he is the Son of God. You confess that with that Roman centurion standing there at the foot of his cross. Truly, he is the Son of God. And that means you don't have to live like you're blind anymore. You don't have to walk in darkness. You get to, to walk through life with confidence, the course marked out for you. You get to see things the way they really are. Because faith in Christ, it it changes your perspective. Could it be that God could even use a tragedy, hardship, an epidemic like coronavirus to bring people closer into contact with God? Could it be that he might use something like this to open eyes that were once shut in blindness, unbelief? My eyes, now that I have faith to see, my eyes tell me, yes, I've seen it happen. Sometimes God uses pain, tragedy, social unrest to bring people to him. to to do whatever it takes to show them the big picture he has for their lives and how good it is and how much it matters. And it means that it's not just a meaningless phrase to say, it's okay, God has a plan. Because it's true, he does. Just, Just look at the plan he's already accomplished. He sent his son into this sin-plagued world to cure it once for all. He sent his son who took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. If sin didn't stand a chance, if, if sin was put to death at the cross, and if death didn't stand a chance, if death was put to death at that empty tomb, then you know coronavirus doesn't stand a chance. It can do nothing to snatch away your hope, 
your confidence, no matter how bad it gets. If, if God had a plan to destroy sin, then I think he's, he's got a plan to, to get us through this much lesser problem as well. You know, he's already proved he loves this world. He sent his son to save it. And so, let's not live in terror of the coronavirus. Let's not live in denial of it either. How about, how about we live the same way we always do as Christians? Let's live in hope. Maybe seeing an opportunity to let our living hope shine out even brighter to those who are afraid, who walk in darkness, who are maybe panicked. God can display his works through something like the coronavirus, just like he did through a man in Jerusalem who was blind from birth. <laughs> let's, let's have hope. Let's be beacons of hope with eyes wide open, seeing the bigger picture, going beyond what meets the eyes. <laughs> you will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. For you, you rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Amen.